She was heart-building and heartbreaking, heart-learning and heart-aching. When I sat with myself and I asked, what do I need to move on? I realized what I needed wasn't to focus on all the things that were wrong with this dynamic, but rather process the things that were good. Sit with the moments that made me think, yes, she's the one. I needed to hold space for the moments that made me stay. I needed to ask myself why they did, what value they brought me that kept me stuck, and if I believed that they would happen to me again. These fragments made me feel connected. They made me feel equal and understood. They made me feel love. And I do believe they will happen again. So now when a wave of sadness arrives at my door and I'm missing her, I whisper to myself, it's not for you. This is my way of telling myself that this pain is no longer mine to carry. And this joy is no longer mine to hold. These heavy memories can live in pages. They no longer belong in my being. I will find someone that rises rather than runs. I will find someone that delivers more than fragments. I deserve more than fragments. And when that person comes, I'll be ready. I've sat with the good. I've sat with the pain. It's not for me. But there will be something and someone that is. So, this is the story of the last good fragment. This is No Wiser Fool. Have you ever spent too much time, too much energy, wondering if someone loves you in return? If you have, then you know what it feels like to fall through infinity, to reach for reciprocation, only to seize air over and over again. Or maybe you're like me. And you often find yourself on the other side of this equation, the end where you feel as if you're constantly evoking erratic behavior in those around you because you won't proffer up three little words. I love you. I think it's most people's natural inclination to give the phrase first as if speaking words will somehow make them true. But love is not a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is work. Words are just sound waves in the air and figures on pages without labor. My actions speak long before my lips do. I love you is an addendum to everything I've already shown, a white flag waving that I have nothing left to give you but sound. Take these inadequate words. I love you. When you told me you rarely say it too, I didn't see it as a challenge. I saw it as a reflection. I made a pact with you that night over Mexican food and margaritas. I'll never say it first. It's the only promise I ever broke with you. 
We were kindred spirits until we weren't, and I landed on the side of the equation that was uncomfortable and unfamiliar. I was falling and flailing while you watched, arms crossed. But I didn't need three little words. I needed you. Am I a fool? Or are you here too? Everything was erratic. I couldn't find stillness and neither could you. Caught in a romantic hokey pokey, you'd reach your hand in just to pull it out. We hadn't spoken in months. When we wound up in the same city, a thousand miles away from home. It's Thanksgiving, easily my least favorite holiday. Although, it used to be my favorite before my mom got sick. Now it just feels lonely. You invite me over to your family's home and I decline at first because I know I am a sight for sore eyes on Thanksgiving, but the thought of missing the opportunity to meet your people is overwhelming. I grab a bottle of wine and hail a car. We get lost in the neighborhood as you warn I will. You're standing in the snow-covered street, freezing your bones, waiting for headlights to appear. They illuminate you. Oh, she's a little thing, my driver says. She's beautiful, isn't she? I say as I climb out. Your family is warm, and I immediately feel at ease. They cut me a piece of pie, and you pour the wine. We're laughing and chatting in the kitchen like familiar folk do. As your two aunts wash the dishes, it's the most normal Thanksgiving I've had in a decade, and I've missed the dinner entirely. I am fully present, yet able to picture a past and a future, too. I imagine your mom in the kitchen beside the two of them, and I just know it must have been magic, the three sisters together. I can feel it. And part of me wonders if she's there. And I picture a Thanksgiving somewhere in the future. I've voluntold you we're hosting and have delegated you to cheese boards and wine while I take on the ever-important task of the sweet potato casserole. And just like that, I am love drunk on the idea of you again. Sobria Ibritas, you are a delectable wine and the most intoxicating. I need not even a drop to feel wasted. Before long, we are in a bedroom with a bottle, two glasses, and our naivety. It is a familiar scene, and I know where it will lead. There is so much I want to talk about, but we are already undressed. Your lips on my chest, my hands grasping your curls, my mouth swallowing and stifling the bliss, and it is in these throes that something quite unfortunate happens. I slice my head clear open on your family's nightstand, which honestly is too close to the bed. I am so lost in pleasure that I don't immediately realize. 
I look up, after, uh, up at you after another tussle or two to see your chest is covered in bright red blood. Shoulder to shoulder, up to the nape of your neck. Terror fills my eyes. You read it. My jaw drops and we speak it. You are worried about me and I am worried about you. You draw me into the bathroom, climb into the tub, and pull me in. We are bare as you comb through my hair, blood running as fast as the water. I can't tell if it's you, the wound, or the wine, but I am entirely intoxicated. There we are naked, giggling in a pool of water browned by my blood, you trying to tactfully reel in my laughter because my voice carries. It's late and we're in your family's home, but I can't because the absurdity is too much. Only us, I think. I run my wet hand across your chest to rub away the stain of my wound. Black makeup is smudged across your dewy face and you're cradling my head in your hands. I look straight into your eyes that are brimming with concern and that's when I see it. It's the look. It's the look I gave you at the bar on the green stools over old fashions as I told you about my mom. It's the look I gave you the night I pulled away from Nashville after you kissed me through the car window. The eyes I made as you prepared your aunt a plate of food and talked her through a memory of your childhood stuffed animal. It's the look I've given you more times than I can recall. The one that says, I am yours. If only fools fall in love, then you're no wiser fool. You loved me too. I said this was the last good fragment, and it was. It was also the last time I saw her. My head stopped bleeding eventually. We crawled into bed and she wrapped my arm around her chest as we drifted into sleep. I don't cuddle, but I've always loved holding her. In the morning, we had breakfast with her family. She made me bacon and eggs. I'm vegan, but I ate it anyways because I've never denied her. I hugged her in that snow-covered street and we said we'd see each other soon. We never did. The end. <laughs>